0: Hallelujah. Come on somebody. Hallelujah. 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 It's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. The Bible says it's of the Lord's mercy. It says these things I call to my mind. Come on somebody. These things I call to my mind. Therefore I have hope. It's of the Lord's mercies that were not consumed. says His compassions, they fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will have hope in Him. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Come on, somebody. Great is thy faithfulness. Hallelujah. Sing it one more time. Great is thy faith. faithfulness. Sing it. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning. his name. Praise his name. I got up this morning, had breath in my lungs. He's faithful. He picked me up, turned me around, set me on solid ground. You know what? He's faithful. I ate yesterday. I anticipate eating after a while. He's faithful. I got to come and worship freely in the house of the Lord among the saints. He's faithful. He came the first time, he said if I came again, if I came the first time, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you can be also. And I have every reason to believe that he will keep that word because why? He is faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful today. If you're going through a hard time and a hard day, I got good news for you today. You're gonna make it one more day. Why? Because he's faithful. He's he's brought you through one storm, he'll bring you through this one. Why? Because he's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. Acts chapter one this morning. Acts chapter one. Luke is the writer, the great historian. Luke was faithful to give account how do I know Luke was faithful I read in Paul's dying days when he's about to leave this earth he knows that he's about to meet the executioner's sword he said Timothy is on his way and I hope he makes it here he said but only Luke is with me what's that tell me that Luke was faithful He gives us the account of the book of Acts. It says the Acts of the Apostles. Your your Bible probably says the Acts of the Apostles. But we know what it really is, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's the Acts of God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he done then, he will do today. I I don't think I, I I couldn't stand before you and preach his word if I didn't believe that, that God was the same today as he was yesterday and he will be again tomorrow. He's never changed, and he never will. That's why I can't buy into the lie that the gifts of the Spirit are not for today, that the power of God ceased with the age of the apostles because that would be a changing God, and he's a God that changes not. What He does, It says he is no respecter of persons, that what he's done for one, he will do for another. So I got news for you. If he gave them power in the first century, he'll give us power today. Why? Because he is faithful. Bible declares that he is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. He said, what I say I will do that I will do. You can take it to the bank. You can cash the check. He's faithful today. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for a faithful God. Luke chapter 1, verse 1, it says, the former treatise I have made, O Theophilus. Concerning all that Jesus began to, both to do and teach. By the way, I'll stop there. What did it say he did? It said Jesus began. You ain't listening already. He says, I came to get concerning all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. See, when he left, it wasn't over, Joe. It, he had just began. It was only the beginning of what God sent His Son and the power of the Holy Spirit to do. He said, "I come to tell you what Jesus began to teach." Hallelujah! Until the day He was taken up, after He had given commandments through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom He had chosen, to whom He had presented Himself alive after His passion. Somebody say, "After His passion." Somebody else say, after his passion. I want you to remember, after his passion. To whom he presented himself alive after his passion, with many infallible proofs appearing to them for 40 days, and speaking concerning the kingdom of God. Being assembled with them, he commanded them, do not part from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. For which you have heard from me, for John the Baptist baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And when they had come together, when they had come together, when they had come together, what was it? After his passion and when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will your kingdom at this time, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? and he said to them and it's not for you to know the times or the date which the father has fixed by his own authority but you who but you who but you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. This morning when we break the bread of life, we wanna talk about the power, listen to me, power. Power comes after passion. Power comes after passion. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for your word. Lord, I thank you that we already have been touched by the moving of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask now that you would give us clarity of thought, conciseness of speech, anointing of your spirit, and give them ears to hear and heart to receive what you would say to your people today. And we will ask it now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Passion, power follows passion. You are not going to do anything well or powerfully if you don't have a passion for it. The church will rise in power again when the church remembers its passion. In this in this instance, the writer Luke the, has given account of the coming promise of the Holy Spirit, and it was saying it was following the passion of Jesus Christ. In the passion of Christ, it was about his suffering and about his willingness to pay and the price he was willing to go to. It was his passion that he would suffer and that he would die on our behalf. He was willing to give the passion so that we could have the power. I want to say it again. He was willing to give the passion so we could have the power. We will never have power without passion. I got to tell you up front, the last few days I, I went to some meetings and things like that that but I, sometimes I don't know whether to be mad or whether to cry or, or, or whether to speak or whether to be quiet, but we're coming to a place of comfort and acceptance in some places in the church world that we start when we used to have passion that led to power, now we're settling for the comforts of the world and the solutions of the world. I heard people training pastors that the only way you're going to make it is if you have regularly scheduled times with your psychologist, and I thought bull on e baloney, because I can tell you why can I say baloney because I can't find it one place in the scripture. I can't find it says that he's given me all things that pertain to life and godliness. You want to know why we've lost our power? It's because we've lost our passion. Passion requires being uh, to give up something. I want, have you ever watched the Olympics and watched, particularly when you see young uh, gymnasts from, from Eastern countries, they come out, they, they look like they come out of elementary lunch line. Then they come out there and they flip and they jump and they twirl and they, and they do unbelievable feats uh, 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 of, of gymnastic greatness at 10, 11, and 12 years old. And the reason is it's because they had, were given and acted on a passion that gave them a performance that was powerful. You don't have anything without a passion for it. Worship team, you will just be strumming strings and beating keys and singing into a microphone. That's all it will ever be unless you have a passion to lead people into worship. It means you'll have, to, you'll have to give something. It means you'll have to die to other things. And listen, church, we will, have, until, we will never reach outside of the walls of this church until one more time there is a passion in God's house for the lost in the world. Until we can realize that, there, that we will never have power in the walls until we have passion for what's outside of it. We will never see the miracles again until there's a passion for what the Word of God says. Until, As long as we're looking to every source in this world, there will never be a power from out of this world. I wanted to stand up on and scream from the pulpit, the rooftop, from the parking lot, and everything else I could find in the last few days and say, Would you shut up? No wonder we're being trained at the highest levels to settle for the remedies of this world whenever my source is not from this world. The the source of the power of the church was never in an office somewhere. The source of the power of the church was never never anything that that the brilliant thinkers could come up with. When Paul stood before the Greek scholars of his day, he said, I didn't come to you with enticing words of men's wisdom. He said, but when I came, I was there in fear and in much trembling. He said, I didn't need any wisdom. He said, but if there wasn't a demonstration of the power... Of the, he said, I came with a demonstration of the power of the Spirit of God. Until there's a demonstration of the power, people will still be roaming around and, 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 and mindlessly like zombies. Outside and inside. My power is not from the annals of what's his name <laughs> sigmund freud my god think about what i'm telling you my lord and my god sigmund freud hated this god that we served go look it up go read it what was he what was he driven by what was he passionate about he was passionate about proving that our power and our source was for men ourselves he was passionate about, he was, an atheist, he was a declared atheist, that his, that, his, that his passion was to prove that man had his own answers. And here we are today, pointing the ministry and the church to everything but the cross of Christ. Everything but the suffering that paid the price. Everything, but but the but the one who shed his blood that had the passion so that I can have the power. Church. Maybe there's a million things running through your mind that's trying to say, What are you saying, preacher? I'm trying to say that there's a power that's higher than anything you can find on this earth. I'm here to tell you that that he, that he is still the answer to every question, the solution to every problem, that the word of God has it all. I, I'm still here to tell you that unless Isaiah was a liar and Jesus was a fraud and that Paul was, was a make-believe and that Peter didn't know what he was talking about, that Isaiah still says that he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace. Can I say it in today's modern terms that make me want to puke? Is that all right? The chastisement of my soul care was upon him. I just wanted, I just wanted the modern gurus and the and the and the influenced and the taught and the learned to know what I'm talking about. The, your soul care, your mental well being, your your counselor. The chastisement of your peace was upon Him. And by His stripes, I am healed. He saved me by His blood. He gave me peace of mind by His blood. He healed my physical body by his blood that there is nothing he didn't leave a thing undone and he didn't leave a thing up to this world i'm so sick of people telling me they're not saying it with their words but they're saying it with their words They're not saying Jesus isn't enough, but they're saying that you've got to do this, that you've got to go somewhere else. That you, if you're going to have any, if you're going to have, they're telling you the ministry is going to eat you alive. That being Christian, being a Christian today is going to eat you alive. You're going to have to go talk to somebody. I was raised that I was once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. And then a little light from heaven filled my soul. It bathed my heart in love, and it wrote my name above. And that just a little talk with Jesus made me whole. Come on, somebody! (laughs) You know, I gotta tell you, I don't buy it. I'm not buying what they're selling. I'm not smelling what they're stepping in. I'm not doing it. He's still enough. Let them teach you everything they want to from Springfield to wherever. But I'm going to come by still again and tell you, he's not only enough, he's more than enough. He's more than enough, church. Somebody, he's more than enough. He's enough to touch my grieving heart. He's enough to, to, to give me peace whenever I lay down my, my head at night. He's enough to heal the wounds that happened when I was a child. He is enough to heal the, the things when somebody done me wrong that I can let it go. That when somebody is working against me, that he is working for me. I have a passion for who he is. A passion for his word. A passion for the blood of Jesus. A passion for the truth of of. of of the Spirit of God and His power. And I'm going to tell you, when there's passion, there will be power, but there will never be power until there's passion. Come on. If nobody ever knows my name besides the people sitting in front of me right now, the people sitting in front of me, it's going to know that this preacher knows that he's still enough. He's still enough. No other blood could heal my broken body. No other blood could save my sin sick soul no other blood could conquer death and win the victory no other blood <laughs> see Scott his blood was not just blood his blood was not just blood he's not just any other god he's not just any other he's not just any other one that became famous for being a spiritual guru not like Mohammed. They march around his bones in Mecca and kill people in his name. And and Mohammed, their only assurance of, of salvation is if you kill yourself and everybody you can, and that's your ticket. I'm going to tell you, my God didn't ask me to kill anybody. My God died for me. What makes him different? I have heard some people say, oh, we're so close that we ought to just get along. We're not close at all. See, because there's no other name given among men whereby I must be saved. He's the the only way. Whenever he said, he told, he said, I am the way, I am the truth. I am. If you're looking for truth today, I'm going to tell you the truth is a man, and the man's name is Christ Jesus. It's not a theory. It's not a notion. It's not a dictionary, a encyclopedia, or a Google search. The truth is a man, Christ Jesus. He said, I am the truth. He said, and you can know me. You can know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I got better news than that because I heard them telling me that there's things that, you're going to de- that happen to you that you're going to have to deal with all your life that you're never going to get free from. I thought, what Bible have you people been reading? Are you hearing me? Let me tell you, addicted soul that's trying to, that's, that's, that's crying in agony because you're looking for a way out and you can't stop and somebody's told you that you're never going to be free from it. Alcoholic, meth addict, cocaine, sex addicted, pornography engrossed in that somebody's told you that, that we'll help you cope with the symptoms but you're never going to be free from it. I got news for you. He said, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, and you can know the truth. That's Jesus Christ. And what did he say? And the truth, somebody say it with me. And the truth will set you free. And whom the Son has set free, somebody, is free Indeed. Come on. He will, we used to teach that he will break the, the ties that bind. That he will deliver the captive soul. That he will set you free from your past. That he will heal your wounds. Listen, when there is passion about the man of Jesus Christ, when, the, when he is lifted up, he will draw all men unto him. And when he draws you, he will set you free. Listen to me, superintendent, district level, general superintendent, wherever you are in this world, quit telling the people that they're bound to this old world and set them free. You have a bigger voice than that. You have a better power than that. You have a better way than the world's way. You have a better option. You have the option. You have the only option, the one that changes our lives. Come on, somebody. We got to believe it again. We got to lift him up again. We've got to know that he's still the answer. When you look at this hopeless world coming apart at the seams. That that listen. If I didn't know that there was something bigger and better than this. Paul said if in this world only I had my hope. What was he saying? He wasn't talking about, he didn't know, even know about a terra firma and a round world. He wasn't talking about this. He was talking about this. He was talking about the, the wisdom of the world, the wisdom of man, the schemes and the plans and all of those things that they were, they were trying to come up with an answer. And he looked around and he said, if in this world only I had my hope I would be of all men most miserable. If I was looking to Donald Trump or Joe Biden, I'd be of all men most miserable. If I was looking to the United Nations... If I, was, if I was looking for, the, for, for what's going, for the business world, for Wall Street to come up and solve my problems. If I was looking all around everywhere I could find. Neil, if in this world only I had my hope, I would join Paul and be of all men most miserable. But listen, he said, Luke wrote, he said, this Jesus was leaving. He said, he just, he just, it's just what he began to teach us. And to show us how do I know Luke wasn't making it up? That Luke wasn't just full of hot air, because Jesus Himself said, "We forget it, and we teach around it. We we try to we try to make excuses. We try to th- we try to build theology that says something different." But Jesus said, "Greater works than these. Greater works than these." Listen, what these? By this point, they had seen water to wind. By this point, they, they had seen him speak to the winds and the waves, and they obeyed, and they marveled. At this point, he, he had walked up to, into the death room of a little girl and said, Damsel, Rise. At this point, he had stood outside of the tomb of his beloved friend while his sisters were saying, Lord, if you had just got here earlier, my brother would have lived. He said, oh, your brother's going to live again. He said, oh, I know he's going to live again in the, in, in the day of the resurrection. She was being just like us because we will say, oh, they're going to be in the day. He said, he wasn't talking about the day of the resurrection. He was talking about today. He says, let me tell you, remember what he did? By this time, by the time he said greater works than these, he had stood outside that tomb. They said, he said, roll the stone away. And they said, my Lord Jesus. They were southern. They said, my Lord Jesus, by now he stinks. Now, if you've been around a while, you know that he stinketh. Said they said by now he stinks. Roll it away anyway. By now, when he says greater works than these, who so you do? They've seen him stand outside that and say, Lazarus, come forth. Y'all know just like I know, he called him my name for a reason. He stood in the midst of them bones. He stood in the midst of that cemetery. He stood in the midst of that that place of death knowing that if he didn't call him out by name that everybody in that cemetery would have come out of their grave. He said, I raised him up. I, I like to preach this. I don't think I preach it here, but I'll just give you a little drop. Jesus called him out and brought him back to life, but he told the people around. He said, now you loose him whoo who, loose him and let him go. I got to tell you, church, we better be really good when God calls them out of darkness into life, when he calls them from death into the life. That we, he'll, he'll call them out. He'll set them free. He'll give them life. But it's up to us to loose them and let them go. He said, greater works than these shall you do. See, I just gave you a few examples of what he's done by now. When he said, Because I'm going away, because I'm leaving, because I'm going to send the promise of the Father, we just discussed in in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, because I'm going to do this, greater works than these shall you do. See, it was his passion that paid the price for the power that was to come. What does passion look like? I'll tell you a few scriptural examples of what passion looks like. Passion looks like this. It says there was a woman one day when Jesus was in the crowd and he was walking. He was on his way to Jairus' house because Jairus was in a a really bad situation too because he had a 12-year-old daughter that was about to die. And he said, if you'll come, he said, I'm on my way. When he was on his way, he got interrupted by the crowd and there was a a little woman in that crowd that done this because she had a problem. See, she wasn't supposed to be there. Why? Because she had a she had a flux uh, she had a bloody flux she had an issue of blood that it went on and on and on and on see because if you know anything about their society anything about their law then you know anybody that's actively be- bleeding and the woman that's actually that's actively ministrating that anything that's going on like that that they're declared unclean and they're supposed to stay to themselves they're not supposed to touch anybody because you know what happens if if somebody that was that was bleeding or or had been touched by death touched you then you were unclean she wasn't supposed to be in the crowd and she certainly wasn't supposed to touch the master but let me tell you it says she had suffered many things and many people for many years that she had spent all she had with the doctors and she didn't get any better but rather she grew worse because see what she had been told and what she knew by now is outside of, of a power bigger than her that there was nothing ever going to change they were just going to help her cope with what she had but let me tell you what'll drive you. Passion will drive you to go to push yourself out into places that you're not supposed to even be. It will push you past every obstacle that's in your way. It says that the, that the crowd was great and it was so tight that there was no way that she could get to him. It says that she went through the press, that she pushed through the crowd. She said, "I don't have listen. I don't have to get in here prayer line." I don't have to join his partnership program. I don't have to have him lay hands on me and spit in my face. You ain't listening. He didn't have to shake me, fire tunnel me, spin me around, do double tricks and backflips. She said, "If I, she said, if I, I'll go out and push through where I'm not even supposed to be, I'm going to get past every obstacle." She says, "If I could just touch the hem of his garment." And just touch him. How simple is that? See, her passion drove her past the obstacles. And when she pushed, when she pushed past the obstacles because of her passion, all it took was just a to touch. You know how I know that's true? Because Jesus said, Whoa! Now the King James translated it different, but that's how it was. Whoa! He said, "Somebody touched me," and the disciple said, "What do you mean, man? Of course you. Look at the people around you, brother. Of course they touched you. You're in the middle of a. It says you're in the. The King James says you're in the press. There, there's so many people that you're that you're jammed up." And you said, "Somebody touched you. Oh, somebody with a little passion." Because you know what Jesus said next? He said, oh, no, not that. He said, somebody touched me, and I felt virtue. Now, I don't really understand, because it's the only place in all of the New Testament that dunamis was translated virtue. But I know what dunamis means. Dunamis, we get our word dynamite. But scripturally, it means creative, explosive power. Hence dynamite. Dynamite changed everything when they were building railroads. It made ways where there was no way. Jesus said, oh no, I felt power. Leave me all of the crowds around him everybody that was thronging him everybody that was touching him there was no there was only one that had that touched him with passion that drove her to faith that if i just touch him power there was one man that got so that got so engrossed in who he was and got such an understanding he says my son He's in a mess. He said he's got a he's he's got something that convulses him and it'll throw him in the fire. I've got to have. He said I'll be to your house. He said Oh no. He said You don't have to come to my house. Oh, we think we gotta we think we gotta go to the right meeting. And when we get there, we gotta get the right prayer line. And the right person's got to touch you, and they got to play the right song, and and they got to juke and jive, and all. And I'm I'm for juking and jiving, but that's not, that's not what it's about. He said, he said, you're you're not. I'm not even worthy for you to step under my roof. He said, but if you'll just speak the word, I know. My son will be healed. Did I read that right? But that was a Roman centurion. Is that what I read? A Roman centurion. You so out of the covenant. A man that everybody around Jesus, hated, no doubt in my mind. Do y'all know that? They were probably the, the church folks were the the, the, the Jews, and the and the religious folks of the day were probably even whispering saying, What's that Roman doing here? There's going to be trouble. That Roman soldier's here. Wonder what he wants. Am I reading too deep? When he began to talk to Jesus, they were probably thinking, what's, what's going on here? And he says, you can heal my son. And they're thinking, he ain't going to heal nobody. You ain't one of us. I shouldn't read that far into it, should I? It didn't make any, any, any difference to Jesus. All he saw was a man that had enough passion and enough drive and enough belief and enough faith that would walk up to him and say, you don't, he said, I ain't even worthy for you to walk under my, under my porch Just speak the word. The Bible says that his son was healed from that very hour. Church. I've made up my mind. Boy, every day, every step, everything that goes by, every headline I read, every time I, I, I hear a compromise from from the religious establishments that says just settle, it makes me square up a little further. Plant a little harder. Dig a little deeper. I've made up my mind that I'm willing to die for what I believe and what I preach, and that's not hyperbole. There may come a, die, a point when we're seeing right now. I used to preach two years ago that standing for what you believe might cost you your job, and nobody believed me. This is America. You know how many times I heard that? That's before I ever came to Mauriceville. I'd say, there's going to come a time that your convictions, you ain't hear me. My daddy used to tell me growing up, my daddy had more wisdom than I knew at the time. The, he, he, next week he'll be gone twenty-nine years, and twenty-nine years later, I still realize every day that he that he was connected to something bigger than him. And he had more wisdom than earth could give you. We need to be around, we need to surround ourselves with people that have their eyes lifted on something higher than this earth can give you. He would say, principles are are not principles until they're tested. Convictions are not convictions until they cost you something. Anybody can crow. I'd say, a few years back, your convictions might cost you your job going forward. And people would say, oh... Oh, maybe someday. I I, I heard that. Oh, maybe someday, but we're not anywhere near that yet. Are we there yet? What are you passionate about? We never dreamed that we'd face the days we faced. And if I just looked at if I just looked around, if my hope was in this world, I'd walk on my lip. I'd be discouraged. I'd want to give up. I preached last week, but I'm going to be like Abraham. I'm going to be looking for a city. Which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I'm going to set my sights on something higher, put my passions on something with power. I thoroughly believe right now, there's no. Y'all remember Elijah? We just sang a while ago, these are the days of Elijah. At the end of this, I want to take just a few minutes to talk about the passion and the power and and where we're at. Spent weeks preparing us looking at what's going on telling you what the what the bottom line really was that this was spiritual that this was not political and that the church had to get their eyes off of Washington DC and get their eyes raised to to a heavenly king and a heavenly kingdom and that 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 all this mess, that the whole, all of it was about the church? Are you convinced yet that all of this mess and all of this onslaught from the radical, nutty, crazy idiot left is about Jesus Christ? It's about the church? It's about us? It's not about Washington? Have you figured that out yet? And it looks like they're winning. If you just look at everything natural, it's looking like they're winning. But there are people being stirred all over this country and all over this world. Some of them have been a little bit drowsy and a little bit of sleep. Some of them has just been in the in the on the on the back side of the desert in their preparation years. Some of them have just been in a place they're in obscurity that nobody's ever heard their voice. But suddenly the, the enemy made a mistake of shutting down churches all the world, and they all hit cameras, and they all hit the internet, and they all hit live stream. And all of a sudden you had voices coming out of obscurity that began to tell people to pray. And people to seek and people to, to look to seek the, the real power of God and their voice began to get out there and people began to get stirred and see it looks like everything it looks like it's out of control and like that it is hopeless but there was a day leading up to a time. You see, in the last closing words of Malachi, we looked at it the other night at, at men's retreat. It says that the time was coming that there would that Elijah, that the spirit of Elijah would show back up in the coming great day of the Lord, and it said that he would return the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the fa- the children to the fathers. And we know that uh, that there was a, a flash. Jesus said that John the Baptist come in the spirit of Elijah, and he declared repentance, and it brought them. the Savior savior of the world and then we see in James when it says that Elijah was a man of like passions even as we are do y'all know that's in there in James chapter 5 it says Elijah was a man of like passions it means he was just like us and he had the same passions that we have you ain't hear me and he said and he prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years it says then he prayed again and the heavens opened and it rained how many of you know if you can command the elements the natural elements that that's some power one day on leading up to mount carmel there was a king Ahab and a queen Jezebel and the political situation and the spiritual situation of Israel was dark and nasty evil was prevailing the political leadership was nasty and ugly and the spiritual leadership was corrupt and idolatrous they were mixing the God of Israel with all the sexual gods of the heathen world. That's what it was. They were serving Baal and Ashtaroth. All of it was, was, was sexual deviancy. Moloch, where they were offering their unborn and their newborns as a, as a living sacrifice to Molach. Not so much different than today. And, it, and Elijah stands up and begins to cry out to israel to his country to his nation to his king to the spiritual leaders to everybody that would listen one man began to cry out he said how long will you halt how long will you struggle how long will you be divided how long will you halt between two opinions he said, if God is God, then serve him. But if Baal is God, serve him. In other words, he said, make a decision. Get off the fence. It's one or the other. Quit pretending that you serve Jehovah while you're, while you're serving the sexual gods of Baal. While you're following, chasing the lust of your flesh. No wonder Jezebel tried to kill him. They said, what do you want to do about it? He said, well, let's go up to Carmel. What are we going to do there? He said, we're going to go up there. And he said, we're going to have a a showdown between your God and my God. He said, I'll make a deal with you. If if Baal is God, let's serve him. If, If Jehovah is God, let's serve him. He said, and let the God who answers by fire be God. Are you hearing me? And you know what Elijah did? He said, you go first. I think there's a reason for that. And I'm just going to tell you up front, I'm going to front load this last closing moments. I'm going to tell you right now, I think we're at a point in America right now when you're seeing all the burning, all the looting, all the screaming, all the hollering, all the demands, all the all the anti-God, all the hate, all the, all the twisted morality and all of this stuff going on. And when you're from our position, it looks like the world's falling apart and they're winning. I think God has said, you go first. He said, Elijah said, you go first. So they built an altar and they put their sacrifice on it. It says that they they danced and they chanted and they screamed from in the morning until the late afternoon said the more that they did and the, and got their god didn't answer the louder they got it says then they begin to cut theirself with rocks and to begin to destroy their that uh, begin to hurt their with their bodies trying to trying to get a response in the supernatural is that what it says and elijah was a lot like me because he began to taunt them a little bit i can identify with that he said where's your god And they're, you know, they're doing all they're doing. You know what I mean? They're cutting, they're dancing, they're chanting, they're dancing around the thing. They're doing everything they know to do. he says, where's he at? He said, maybe he's going on a journey. Maybe he needed a nap. One translation said, maybe he's in the bathroom. When they had wore their self out, about the time of the evening sacrifice, the way I read it. They said, all right, it's your turn. I believe we got a people in the country and a land that right now they're in the middle of wearing their self out. I do. They're, they're destroying their selves and everything around them in an outcry for in a spiritual condition. And they're about wore out. Elijah may have been a little bit of a showboat because he said, dig a trench around that altar and that sacrifice. And he said, All right. And they said, Bring me 12 barrels of water because I'm about to build a fire. Pour the water on, and it says, Fill the trench above him. Last I heard, he stepped out there at the time of the evening sacrifice. Y'all know what the evening sacrifice is about? <laughs> time of the evening sacrifice it's whenever a savior hung on a cross and he said it is finished it's when the it's when the the wrath of god fell uh, fell on the altar and consumed the sacrifice at that time he said see i everywhere i read in the bible the water is about the holy spirit elijah says just keep pouring barrel after barrel after barrel after barrel on the holy spirit and in 69 words He said something about, I'm going to say this out loud. I'm going to pray out loud, not for my benefit and not for your benefit, but so that all these prophets of Baal and all the nation of Israel can see who you are. He said, I'm going to step back, God, and you see if you answer. Sixty-nine words, and he said, Amen. And when he said, Amen, the Bible says that the fire fell. See, after there's passion, (laughs) there's power says Elijah was a man of like passions even as we are. Says the power fell and it consumed the sacrifice. And it consumed the altar that the sacrifice was on. Bible says that it lapped up the water that was in the trenches and and took in the dust afterward. And one prophet wiped out all the idolaters one afternoon on Mount Carmel. There's a church rising. The people of God have stood back long enough. The gods of this world, whether they know it or not, are on their last leg. And when people know they're on their last ditch, they get louder, they get nastier, they get uglier. But I'm convinced that that there's a ripple of hope that's beginning to run through his church. Sometimes it'll feel like you're alone. I feel like I'm alone sometimes. I do. Do you? Elijah did after that great victory. He wanted to die. Jezebel threatened him. He ran for his life and he went out crying in the woods. and said, just take my life, Lord. Just take my life. I can't stand it. Just take my life. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. He said, get up, boy. He said, you're not the only one. He said, I got 7,000 right around you that haven't bowed their knee. I believe that's where we're at. Stand with me all over this place. Stand with me all over this place. Listen passion, power follows passion. There's somebody in this house today that needs to know That it's not hopeless. There's somebody in this house that needs to know That he's still faithful. There's somebody in this house that needs to know That he's still powerful. There's somebody in this house today that needs to know That he's still the answer to your questions. He's still the solution to your problems. That you don't have to go chasing it to every office in town. You don't have to go chasing it to every two-bit false prophet that's raising money all over the country. Man, I wish I hadn't said that, but I did. That it's him. It's him. It's him. It's him. If we'll get passionate. Passion costs you something. If we'll get passionate, there'll be power.